I came from a family deep down in the West Country on a farm where my father would only put the Christmas tree up on Christmas Eve, and he felt that gathering the Christmas tree was something of a forestry thinning operation. So frequently he chose the very worst specimen he could find on the farm in order to improve the general stock. One year, the Christmas tree was entirely bare down one side, but it's all right, it went in the corner and it didn't look too bad when people when people were visiting. Uh, I'm very confident about Christmas presents this year. I think it's going to be the best Christmas present I've ever had, and I'm particularly confident because I've ordered it myself. (laughs) Shortly after Christmas, in around 2005, on a plane to Sydney, I stopped off at Shangi Airport, and as you do, wandering around semi-dazed, came to the shops, and there was a New Year copy of Time magazine. On the front cover was a picture of the globe from outer space. Either side, two key world leaders, George Bush and Tony Blair. And then a huge band-aid across the center of the globe. The message, this broken world, our flawed leaders. And I consider to myself, as we approach Christmas 20 years later on, what progress have we made? We all know how significant leaders are. I don't know if you've been following the English test team out there in Pakistan. Uh, NASA Hussain, former England captain, said, I cannot think of a captain of cricket or any sport who has had a more profound and immediate impact on a side than Ben Stokes. Leadership really matters. Before I worked in a church, I worked for a number of organizations, schools, hospitals, Uh, infantry regiments. My track record wasn't that bad. I didn't get thrown out of them, but uh, I did work for another... We all know how important leadership is. New leader, new look, always. And yet in a year where in this country we've had a succession of leaders, where is the leader who really can lead in this broken world? And as we come to Matthew's account, he was an eyewitness of uh, the person Jesus Christ. There's one thing that he wants us to know beyond all doubt, that Jesus is God's leader. There are any number of uh, uh, pointers to this truth. We take, first of all, in the second reading, if you turn to page four of the Matthew's Gospel, you're able to follow along. In that second reading, we have what I'm going to call the seers, that is the magi, the wise men the seers. Now, before we get into them, we have to do a little bit of kind of anti-revisionism from the Christmas card producers. You know, how many were there? We're not actually told there were three. There could have been a great number. I guess the number three of the kings, the magi, wise men, comes from the gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. We're not actually told what mode of transport they came on. We're not told they came on camels. Maybe we are told they came from the east. They could have come on horses or donkeys, probably not quad bikes. We're not actually told that they're kings. The idea that they were kings comes from the Old Testament, Isaiah chapter 60. Nations shall come to your light, kings to the brightness of your rising. A multitude of camels shall cover you. They shall bring gold and frankincense, wrote Isaiah over 700 years before the coming of Jesus Christ. So the idea that they were kings comes actually from there. We're not actually told that they came to the stable. They didn't. If you look down at verse 11, you'll see they came to the house, and Jesus at this stage was no longer a baby to visit the child. 
Now, I've spoken on this passage a number of times over Christmas. I keep adding to the Christmas card that I'm going to produce one year and send to you all. It will have 400 magi of mixed race, Chinese, Taiwanese, from the steppes of Russia and Mongolia. They will travel on elephants, dromedaries, and alpaca. They will be visiting a two-up, two-down, semi-detached house in Bethlehem, and they will fall at the feet of a toddler rather than kneel at the foot of the manger. But the point, actually, I'm not going to send you that card, don't worry. But the point, the point is, of these international astrologer philosophers, is that this is the king of the whole world. And that every knee should bow. And that all nations worship. And that no individual is exempt. He is God's leader. But then alongside the seers, there are also the sign, or what you might call or the star, or what you might call the sign. And, and I know some people have difficulties with the supernatural aspect of this. How can God intervene to direct this astronomical phenomenon? And therefore, some deny it altogether. And others seek to find historical evidence of it. Was it Halley's Comet, some other supernova? Who knows? But it does seem to me that if he is God's leader, if there is a creator God, why should God not signpost his coming. And if God is the creator of the universe and the Lord of everything we see, how can we possibly deny God the right and the ability to intervene in such a way? In fact, would we not be the first to complain if I was to stand here and say God has sent a ruler for the whole universe, but actually he didn't really give us any sign that he was coming? So there's the star, there's the seers, there's the star. A couple of weeks ago, I was in touch with a friend who I am reading the Bible with in a one-to-one way, just as we we're hearing a kind of guided read-through. He told me that his daughter is somewhat put out. She'd been told that she was to be the star in her primary school nativity, and she went home, sought out her best Mary's outfit, and started to learn her lines. Imagine her dismay when she discovered the next morning going in, which she was not Mary, but she was the star. In fact, worse than that, she was just a star in a veritable constellation of stars. I'm not quite sure how the major I would have figured that out if there was a whole range of them, but obviously the teacher had a lot of parts to fill. Her mother, acting on her behalf, was determined she shouldn't be relegated to the small print in the credits. She didn't go quite so far as to wire her up to the mains in her outfit, but my image of this girl is in her school nativity has her at least with a small to medium-sized generator on her back. I asked him this week how it went. There were complaints afterwards in the village that she had outshone the lead star. (laughs) But back to Matthew's historical account. You can picture these ancients, can't you? Astrologer philosophers, can you see them preparing? They've heard of this king of the Jews. Can you imagine them traveling, this decision, courageous as they face up to Herod, considered, costly, inconvenient? But then right at the heart of this part of the historical account, you find the scriptures. And Matthew directs us to Micah and Samuel, two prophets from the Old Testament. In fact, Micah wrote over 700 years before the coming of Jesus. He was a contemporary of Isaiah's. And you can see it there in verses 4, 5, and 6. Assembling all the chief priests and the scribes of the people, Herod inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. 
And they told him, in Bethlehem of Judea, for so it is written by the prophet, and you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. So the point God is wanting us to get hold of in this historical account of the coming of his king is that his appointed leader for the whole world had been anticipated for centuries. Here we have his ancestry. Ancestry, he's of the line of David from the tribe of Judah. Here we have his origin. He's from Bethlehem in the land of Judah in the city of the kings. Here we have his destiny. He will shepherd my people, Israel, and the Old Testament is full of expectation and anticipation of this great king who is signaled by the star, signpost by the scriptures, and sought out by the seers. Now, some people suggest that Jesus came as a kind of bolt out of the blue. He's just some ordinary bloke. He got a bit above himself. No. God had promised for centuries, for millennia, that his king would come. And Jesus steps into this, what I like to call matrix, grid of expectation and explanation, and he ticks every single box. He is God's leader, your leader, my leader. In all the complex failure of this broken world with its flawed leadership, there is a leader. And his name is Jesus. And that, I suppose, presents us with the question, my leader? You see, it's not at all hard from this account to see what it is that God wants us to do with this leader. Just have a look at verse 2 there, sentence 2, the bottom of page 4. Sentence 2, the, the wise men say this, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose, and we have come to worship him. Sentence eight, Herod, albeit hypocritically, bring me word that I may too come and worship him. And then sentence 11, going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. Here is the response, God's leader, my leader. The word for worship is the word kiss towards It describes an action of somebody coming to surrender completely to one of infinitely greater authority. And in in the ancient days, you would come and literally throw yourself on the ground in front of the great one and kiss the ground towards his feet. They came and threw themselves down, kissed the ground towards his feet. A number of years ago, it speaks of total surrender. Here is my life. Take it. Uh, A number of years ago, before Christmas, a great friend of ours got married in St. Andrew's Church just over there. They had the reception down in the Merchant Tailors, and then they decided to go away from Liverpool Street Station on their honeymoon by train, leaving the Merchant Tailors Company there in Threadneedle Street on a litter. You know one of those things that the ancients were carried on like this? And the ushers carried this couple, her in still in her white dress and him in his tails, them all dressed out in their wedding finery, from Threadneedle Street up to 
Liverpool Street Station, where they'd actually reserved a whole carriage in the train to take them. When they arrived at Liverpool Street Station, uh, something unexpected greeted them because they hadn't anticipated that the Tottenham Hotspur match against Norwich was going to complete at precisely their time they arrived on Platform 3. Coming down Platform 4 were the, may I say, well-oiled supporters of Tottenham Hotspur, and there was what you might call a clash of cultures. Everybody wondered what on earth was going to happen until, to a man and a woman, the entire Spurs supporters fell on the ground saying, we are not worthy, we are not worthy, and they went on their way happily. Now, that's a silly story, but that is the picture. That is the image. God's leader? My leader. I'd love to persuade you to go on and read the rest of Matthew's account. He really is a leader like no other. Look at his life. Listen to his teaching. Look at how he lived. See his death. Look at his resurrection. He can lead us. He really can. Embedded in the account, of course, is this awful account of the flawed leader, Herod. And Herod is a shocker. He was installed in 40 BC. He took full control in 37 BC. He reigned till 4 BC. Jesus was almost certainly born between 4 and 6 BC. He was wealthy, gifted, extraordinarily insecure, ruthless, and paranoid. He murdered not only his wife, but also two of his sons, shortly before he himself died. And on his death, he decreed that many of his senior political leaders be put to death with him so that there would be adequate mourning at his departure. And Matthew makes it absolutely plain to us that Herod knew exactly what he was doing as he sought to murder God's leader. He actually says, as he assembles the chief priests, where is the Christ to be born? He knows who he's trying to do away with. He ascertains from them the precise time when the star appeared so that he knew exactly the frame of the number of children he would have to put to death so he could ensure that God's leader was done away with. And this is a deliberate, fully conscious, clear, willful rejection of God's king. And we have to ask, as I've often asked, why? Why would he reject this beautiful, perfect leader? Was it the threat, I don't want Jesus in my life? Was it the fear, what might Jesus do to my life? Was it the inconvenience, I've got too much of my life to live, too much going on in life? Was he concerned for the loss of status and control? What might people think of me if I turned and recognize God's leader. And so we have God's leader, my leader, flawed leaders. Which leader? <laughs> Which leader will we follow in 2023? I started to follow King Jesus in December 1979. It's nearly 43 years ago, can you believe it? To be honest, I was living life entirely under my own rule with myself as king, and I had made a pretty big mess of things. I, I was asked to spend a bit of time away from school 
by the authorities in the school for reasons that are precisely none of your business. And I went to stay with my granddad, and he was a wonderful Christian guy, and he talked to me about the perfect leader, Jesus. Uh, Not only his life and his teaching, but also his death and his resurrection, that Jesus should have gone on to die so that I could be forgiven by God for the offense that I had caused to God by rejecting his rule and his resurrection. And over the course of that weekend, I decided personally, in a very inadequate way, I've made a complete mess of it at times, to surrender to Jesus' leadership. May I say it was the best decision I have ever made, ever. And in the light of the flawed leaders, and to be honest, what a hash we make of leading ourselves, it's a wonderful thing to be able to commend to us all the leadership of King Jesus. I mean, Wes mentioned these bookmarks. I think we're actually, we've given away so many of them that we're out in one or two sections. But on these bookmarks, one thing, the Christianity Explored video or asking a friend for a guided read-through of one of the accounts of Jesus' life. May I recommend that to you? And may I wish you a very, very happy and joyful Christmas and peaceful New Year.